Okay, welcome everybody to a public shi'ur at the Chabura. Uh, you probably don't recognize me because the teacher today is usually in my place. Uh, my name is Sina. I'm one of the co-founders of the Chabura, and I'm honored to be introducing a new series at the Chabura in this final month of our current curriculum, a student dedicated to showcasing some of our students and some of the Torah that they have learned in, during their learning. We are uh, a, a Bet Midrash that very much seeks to uphold the, the clear halakha, really. Those who are obligated to study are obligated to teach. So I think this is a very special and unique opportunity for selected students to showcase some of their learnings and to really set an example for uh, students in all Bate Midrash, in all educational institutions dedicated to Torah study. And please, God, may this be the start of many more series like this. The first week, we are kicked off by Ohad Fadida, who, as I said, is usually in my position, hosting uh, the Shiurim and very much involved in all things Chabura. Uh, Ohad attended Yeshivat Bet Moshehayim, where he studied under Harav Yochanan Zweig. He received his BA in psychology from Florida International University. Ohad is a clinical research assistant at the Center for Children and Families and is aiming toward a doctoral degree in clinical psychology. Ohad is a Talmud of our Rosh Bet Midrash, Rabbi Yosef Dweck, and an active member of the Chabura. I have to say that over the years that I've come to know Ohad, uh, I don't just regard him as a friend, but I do also regard him as a teacher in many ways. I go to him for questions, for advice, for help, anything Torah related, and he is always there to assist me. And I'm so happy to, for him to be able to kick off the series. And I'm really looking forward to the second, third and fourth part of the series as well, as I'm sure you all are too. So without further ado, I will allow Ohad to begin his shi'ur, on tefillin, in the context of history and identity. Ohad, the stage is yours. Bechavod. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, dear brother Sina, for always uh, making everything available and possible and for always pushing me to, to do things. So thank you very much. Also, I uh, uh, want to thank the Chabura for this opportunity and also for all, the, uh, all my friends and all my mentors who had great uh, insightful conversations in preparation for this. Um, for the shiur. So, um, so I'm not an expert in anything, really. So this is just going to be a nice, friendly sharing of ideas. And a lot of the content that we're going to be exploring today, all of you guys already know. It's very pashut for us. Um, but, you know, kulanu chachamim, kulanu nevlanim, we all have to still study and remind ourselves of a lot of these ideas um, that we are going to explore. So I'm going to share my screen. And so the goal, the goal today is really to explore the mitzvah of tefillin and to have a reacquaintance with the mitzvah. And this is a mitzvah that, thank God, we have the luxury, each and every one of us, of performing every single day. And if we think about it, many times, you know, we do this uh, mindlessly and uh, it, it doesn't get us to where it's meant to get us. So hopefully if we can fall in love again with this mitzvah, hopefully we can really perform it to its highest 
uh, where it's actually supposed to take us. Now, the backdrop, what I wanted to do is not only explore tefillin, but to sort of to sort of use this as an opportunity, as a call to action, that not to forget the point of this entire enterprise. The entire enterprise of our Torah is to get us to a place of fear, of awe, of love, of yediyat Hashem. And if the enterprise is not getting us there, then we are missing the point. Now, a lot of times we look at the, you know, we look, we look out there and we see a lot of the, the, our enterprise, the, the Holy Torah being used as superstition and all of these things, and we reject it. But a lot of times we fail to, we fall into the same trap, not necessarily of superstition, but within our intellectualism and within all of our, you know, studying and things, we, we forget the entire point. So this is very important for people like us specifically, um, who sometimes get carried away with our intellectualism. <laughs> Um, so this is this is important, and I wanted to, to sort of provide this backdrop before we start. So the goal is What is God asking from you? Only to fear Him, to walk in His way, to love Him, to serve Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Right? That's the end goal. We have in the Rambam. He says, We have a mitzvah to love him and to fear him. As it says, And what is the way to love him and fear him? When a man observes his actions and he looks around him, he will, he will immediately love, praise, glorify him. He will have this tremendous yearning, this desire to know God's great name. He goes on and he says, when he reflects on this, he will immediately recoil in awe and fear, appreciating how he is a tiny, lowly, and dark creature standing with his flimsy, limited wisdom before he who is perfect of knowledge. We have the same, we have later on in Teshuvah, we have what is the love, what is the appropriate love for, for God, and what, what, are, what is the, the love that we're meant to get to? That a person should love God with very great and exceeding love until his soul is bound up in the love of God. Thus, he will always be obsessed with this love as if he is lovesick. A lovesick person's thoughts are never diverted from the love of that woman, right? He's always obsessed with her when he sits down, when he gets up, when he eats and drinks. With an even greater love, the love for God should be implanted in the hearts of those who love him and are obsessed with him at all times as we are commanded, love God, right? With all of your, with all of your soul. How much, like, are we getting here? Is this a place that we're getting at? I hope so, right? But the goal is to get to that love, to get to that fear, to, to get to that awe. And a lot of times when we get so, we were so scared of, 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 the, of the superstition that we tend to forget these points. And we need to, to commit ourselves to that. This, uh, there's this beautiful, and in the introduction, right? He says that he has this conversation with this wise man. And the wise man asks him this very um, strange question, he says, this very, like, very pilpulistic question in, in the laws of Gitin. And he replies and he says to him, you're asking me a question on something that will not harm you if you don't know it. It has no relevance to your, to your, to your service of God. Do you already know all that you are under duty to know of the commandments? Are you actually aware and knowledgeable and in practicing that which you actually have to do? And then he says, and he, and he says, 
I swear it's been 35 years that I have occupied myself with what is essential to the knowledge and practice of the duties of my religion. You are aware of my great in-depth study and the great library of books I possess. And yet I've never turned my mind to the matter to which you have directed your attention about which you inquire. And he continued to rebuke and shame him concerning the matter. It's just an awesome, awesome uh, conversation over there. But he basically, he basically gives Musar to this person because he says, you are so involved in things that are come so not shayach to the enterprise, that to the, to, the, to the goal, that you are missing the point, you are missing the mark. And sometimes, unfortunately, we fall to this. We're so concerned, so you know, we're not necessarily dealing with uh, Talmudic pilpul, which we dunk on them for. But at the same time, oh, did, when we're so concerned with, oh no, we're rationalistic, but not, uh, you know, with a with a neo Hasidic bend of, uh, you know, okay, that's important conversations to have. But are we getting to love, fear, and awe of God? Now, how do we sort of allow for our observances for our mitzvot to get us there? So one of the tools we have is the te'ameha mitzvot, the sensibilities of the mitzvot. And by exploring the sensibilities of the mitzvot, it opens it for us. It, it takes the mitzvah, which is generally very cold to us, and it, it allows it to be that access point for relationship, for love, for awe, for fear. So we have the Rambam, we have, the, we have, we have in the Talmud, we have these two opinions regarding whether or not to use Tamim, to explore Tamim or not to explore Tamim. One opinion says, no, God says so, that's why we do it. The other opinion says, no, it is valuable and ra'ui to, to, to look into the Tamim. The Rambam is posek, ra'ui la'adam litponen b'mishpetea Torah k'dusha v'leda sof inyanam kefikoho. A person, it is proper and appropriate for a person to meditate on the judgments of the Holy Torah and know their ultimate purpose according to their capacity. If he cannot find a reason or a motivating rationale for a practice, he should not regard it lightly, nor should he break through to ascend to God, lest God burst forth against him. So mitzad we are required, we are, it is part of our responsibility to look for the Talmim, to, 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 to use the Talmim in our service of God. If we can't find it, a sensibility, we are still required to, to treat it with the utmost seriousness because at the end of the day it is a command from the king himself so we are required to keep it but at the same time he says don't break through don't pierce the veil don't become arrogant enough to assume that your sensibility that you gave that specific mitzvah is the reason is god this is what he does this is why he did it right don't don't go that far but point is by using the tamim we can actually come to love come to fear come to awe in the relationship. And the example I always give for this is men sometimes don't get flowers. You know, they don't understand the whole point behind flowers and women love flowers. So when when a wife tells her husband, listen, I love flowers, buy me flowers. And the husband says, listen, I just don't understand flowers. Like, I don't get it. They die right after I get it. it, it I, I just don't understand. It's expensive, right? That's, that's, He's lacking in the relationship. Imagine he would come and bring her a bottle of bourbon. He says, listen, honey, this is so much better. It's nice. It's, it's you know, it lasts longer. You have a great time when we have it. She'll say like that. Yeah, that's very nice. But that's what you like. What I told you to do is to get me flowers, right? Now, if this man can start appreciating flowers, if this man can start understanding, oh, look, when I buy a flower, when I put the flower in the room, it lights and it brightens up the room and it brings color and it has a nice smell 
and look, there's all these different types of variations, right? When he is able to, to build an appreciation for flowers, the relationship with his wife becomes so much deeper. That access point of flowers shifts from my wife likes it, so I get it, which is valuable, to wow, look, we're sharing in this. We have this shared point of connection. So if we can use the ta'amim for our mitzvot, the mitzvah can be transformed from, oh, this is gezerat ha-melech, gezerat katuv, something that I do because my beloved told me to do, into something that, wow, it becomes an access point of love. So let's go into tefillin. So I'm not going to touch on sort of all the halachot regarding it and all the deep processes behind it. I, I highly recommend there's a shiur by Dayan Ofer Livnat, which uh, we at the Chabura we hosted. I believe it was last year. It was a member's shiur. So I highly recommend that shiur. I believe it was a three-parter. But just a, a brief overview, which is the tefillin. We have a tefillah shel rosh, goes in our head, and we have tefillah shel yad. Tefillah shel rosh has four compartments in it, as we can see over here. And the tefillah shel yad has one compartment. Both the tefillah shel rosh and the tefillah shel yad, we put in it, Four parashiyot. In the tefillah shel yad, we separate the four parashiyot. In the tefillah in the rosh and the tefillah shel yad, we just put it all into one, into into one box essentially, into the into one section. There's no compartment. The four parashiyot that we put in, which essentially is the four times that that that, that tefillin emerge that, that that it comes up in the Torah. We have the first time it's in uh, Shemot, it's Kadeshli which speaks about leaving Egypt, speaks about getting Israel, it speaks about telling your children, right? Shall be for you a sign on your hands and a remembrance between your eyes so that the Torah of Hashem shall be in your mouth. And to say what? For God took you out with an outstretched, with a, with a strong hand. We have, we have uh, right after that, we have the Ayaki, uh, which is the Ayaki of Yacha, which is talking about Peterechem, the, the command of the firstborn, talking about leaving Egypt. We have the idea of Shema, which is the, the, the unity of Hashem, the love and commitment that we have to Him. And we have the Ayayim Shema, which is the idea of reward and punishment, following the, the commands of Hashem, and what happens if, God forbid, we don't, and how we have a responsibility to give that forward. Now, off the bat, what we see is the tefillin is leot al yadecha ulzikaron ben anecha. The tefillin is a sign on your hand and a remembrance between your eyes. And what is it a sign and remembrance for? So the four elements that we spoke about: our freedom, which is expressed in leaving Egypt and our sovereignty, God choosing us. Right? We are special, and that's expressed in peterechem. We are beni bechori Israel. Israel is my firstborn. Our commitment to reality, which is v'ahavta, it's we are committed, we are in one reality, where there's a unity of, of Hashem, and we are bound to that. And the last one is we matter, and our choices matter. That's essentially the exp what's expressed in the reward and punishment, right? You actually have a choice in this world. And it is these things that we put as a sign and a remembrance. The sign which goes on our hands, the sign is expressive of Right, it's our, it's our, it's our, it's how we progress forward in the world. It's expressive of our, of our hand, of our actions, of how we move forward in the world. A sign, like a signpost, right? It is an ot going forward, and remembrance, which we put on our head, between our eyes. It is the context 
that defines everything for us. It is the lens, the unique lens that a member of Israel has when he sees the world. Just like every person from every single nationality has their unique lens when they see the world, no different is member of Qal Israel. Member of Qal Israel, he sees the world through a unique lens that no other nation, no other people see. And that's expressive what we put when we put on the zikaron benenecha. We bind our actions and we bind our context. Now we don't just read it. And this is why what tefillin, where it becomes exciting with tefillin is because we don't just read it like a Sefer Torah. Rather, we become it. We bind ourselves to it. We put it on ourselves. We wrap ourselves with that context. We, bec we become the living embodiment of that tradition, of that context, of all of those elements of love, of being chosen, of freedom, of our sovereignty, and we become it. We are a walking, we are a walking expression of that covenant with God. So it's not just reading it. It's not just putting it and having it walk with us, but it is us itself. So when we bind ourselves to that, when we wrap our tefillin, we are becoming it. We have this idea of protection. The idea of tefillin being a protection. Now, just in terms of cult, and we see throughout history, the, the, the tefillin resemble amulets and talismans that we saw throughout history. And also our tradition itself. There's, there's Midrashim that speak about the tefillin fighting demons and this idea of, of, the, of it flying away and saving from persecution. And it's, import, we, we, we're, it's important when we're dealing with these things to jump immediately into this, this famous Rambam, which he speaks about in Ilchota and Sefer Torah, Mezuzah and Tefillin, which he combines into one section in, in Ahava. He says, so this he's referring to the people who put in the, in the Mezuzah, in the inside of the Mezuzah, the names of Malachim, of angels. Why? Because they think that it's going to be their amulet. So, But these people that write from within the mezuzah, the names of the angels, or holy names, or different verses, these are people that have no chalek lolamaba. Why? These idiots, Right, so these people, not only did they get rid of a mitzvah, they nullified the mitzvah because they made it pasul when they wrote it from the inside, but they took this great mitzvah of, of mezuzah, in which for the Rambam he looks as mezuzah and sefetrah and the tefillin as one sort of concept, a similar context, concept. So it says they take this mitzvah, which is what? The unity of Hashem, his love, his fear, his service, and they turned it into as if it's a it's an amulet, it's a kamea for their own benefit. That they in their foolish conception think that this will help them regarding the vanities of the world. Hard word, harsh words from the Rambam. So the Rambam goes very hard against the simplistic understanding of protection and of, of how of how the pagans, of how the, the fools view religious practice as just these cheat codes in the video game to give you, you know, uh, health and wealth and, 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 and success. And he, he very much rejects it. But at the same time, what he says at the end of this section, he says, The person has to be very careful with mezuzah because it, because it is the requirement, is an obligation 
on everyone always. And each time he comes into his house, he gets hit. He he's, he's, he he gets hit with the Hudashem, with the unity of God. He'll remember, he'll, be, he'll become aware of his love. He'll wake up from his slumber. And his obsessions with the with the Hevle Hazman, with the futilities of time. And he will become aware of the fact that there's nothing but the knowledge of God, of knowing God, knowing reality, because that's the only thing that stands at the end of the day. And immediately he comes back to his dad, he wakes up from his slumber and walks in the proper pathways. So the early sages said, anyone who has tefillin in his head, and in his, in his hand, and on his, on his clothing, and in the opening of his house, it is, there's a hazaka. We can assume that this person will not miss the mark. Because he has many reminders. And so this is revolutionary. He says, and these are the malachim that we're talking about. These are the malachim that protect him from sinning. God places his angels around those who fear him and they save him. So the Rambam doesn't reject the idea of protection of the tefillin, of the mezuzah, of the tzitzit. He doesn't reject the protection elements. He just says, what are they protecting you against? Hevle hazman. They're protecting you against the futilities of time, against falling into your animalistic slumber. And that is the malachim, right? So he doesn't reject protection. He just takes it out of the superstitious space, right, of these unseen phenomena, of these cheat codes, right? And he moves it into a space of love and commitment. Angels are no longer these winged things that are that we can't see, but rather the signs that we bind ourselves to that are always there for us, reminding us of reality. They're constantly be aware, be aware, right? So the protection of the tefillin is real, just not how it's simplistically understood. So we move on now to the, the element of the idea of the tefillin being our crown, our pe'ed, our splendor, right? It is our regalia. So there is a branch. So when we look at Taumim, sometimes there's historical Taumim, which is these are seeing the, the context of the mitzvah as it was given then. And by understanding what was what was happening then, it gives an appreciation of what the mitzvah is directly addressing. But many times, if you look at those things, it actually extends throughout culture and throughout history, because generally what was what's culturally relevant actually stays relevant, just in different forms. So it's interesting. So this, uh, I want to thank Jacob Treskin, a fellow Chabura member, who wrote an essay on this. So he found historical connections. If you see over here, the Ureos is a stylized, upright form of an Egyptian cobra used as a symbol of sovereignty, royalty, deity, and divine authority in ancient Egypt. So we have over here the Paro of Egypt, who runs, who, who's the, the tyrant of the country, which you see his little, on top on his head, he has like a tefillah over here, on his tefillah shirosh. And that's his form of, of status and royalty. And then we leave Egypt, 
and all of us get it. All of us have our tefillah shel rosh or tefillah shel yad. We had, uh, they used to also wear armlets. This is uh, from in, in, in Asian cultures, they used to wear something similar to this. So throughout different cultures, you see this idea of these similar things to the tefillah shel rosh symbolizing status and, 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 and glory and respect. And similarly, we see it on, on the hand in the form of armlets. So this cultural phenomena that we're seeing becomes, we, we get one of our own. Kalal Israel gets one of their own. And that is our tefillah shel yad and tefillah uh, shel rosh, which expresses our status, our royalty. We all walk around like kings, the princes walking around with our crowns. See this uh, still today, soldiers, they wear their armbands over here and they're on top of them, right? And that is our splendor. When we walk around, that is our, that is our, that is our respect. Amar Abiy Abba Bar Zavda, this is in Masechet Berachot. Amar Av, Avel Hayav Bechol HaMitzvot HaMurot BaTorah. A mourner is required in all of the mitzvot in the Torah, Chutz Mina Tefillin, except for Tefillin. Why? Shari Neymar Behem Per, it says by them, splendor. Right? And he can't, he can't express splendor. Raja Rashi says, since you need splendor when putting on the tefillin, and the navel, a mourner, is in the dust in his sadness, and this is not splendor. So someone who's mourning, sitting in dust, is not, is not, is not meant to wear the crown when he cannot fully express it. So the tefillin for us is our splendor, is our glory, is our, is our crown that we are crowned with by God. Now, this, this is for me one of the more exciting elements of tefillin, which is that it is fully of leather, right? So we sometimes forget that the tefillin is fully leather. Sometimes we think they're wood, but when we look at the regalia, the crowning features of all other nations, it's made of gold, of silver, of gems, and ours is animalistic and raw. It's literally leather. It's made from a cow. And it relates to our Mikdash. We have a similar experience from our Beta Mikdash. If we compare it to, let's say, the Christian churches, right? It's, oh, it's beautiful. It's big. It's clean. It's, it's clinical. It's all beautiful. And then you compare it to our Mikdash. It's literally a barbecue, right? There's blood everywhere. There's guts. It stinks. I mean, they made sure that it, it didn't, but it's, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a balagan. It's a complete balagan. Right, we're we're slaughtering things, we're spritching blood. People are are falling and going and jumping, right? And what's this idea? This idea is that our relationship with God is of this earth. It is not some unearthly thing that's an imposition on us, but rather it emerges from the earth. It is from us. So our crowning glory is the earth is the closest thing to us, which is a domesticated animal. And that is what we wear. We are one step away from a domesticated cow. The difference between us and the domesticated cow is our consciousness. And when we're able to bring our consciousness to the forefront and integrate all of our animalistic drives, right? We're able to we become the ha'adam that is spoken about in Ma'aseh Bereshit. We have a perfect expression of the conscious animal. We become the mouthpiece of the world. And our crowning glory becomes not gold, not gems, but rather this world itself. It becomes the leather of, the, of our fellow animals that we sublimated into ourselves. We have this 
the, the, the Talmud, it's very important. They make this dirasha. They say, Leman Torah Beficha, Min Hamutar Beficha. Right? How do we know that it has to be from a kosher animal? Because it says that the that the words of Torah should be in your mouth. Min Hamutar Beficha. It has to be something that you can actually eat. It's the most basic expression of, of what you can sublimate, of the most animalistic, raw, of, of us, of human. Uh, elements of this world. It has to be something that you can actually literally eat. God is telling you, I'm my relationship is with you, with a human. It emerges from the earth, not from something metaphysical that you can't touch. We have this idea be- beautifully expressed uh, uh, in his book, Israel and Humanity. So he touches on this and he says, this is why food is so important in the system, which is relevant to Beficha, right? Tefillin is related to what we can eat because it's precisely attributed the role of transforming the corporeal being into a spiritual being, of serving as an intermediary between one and the other so that when religion presides over it, it is considered as holy and as meritorious as the very act of sacrifice. So that food is one of the avenues of us, of the conscious man being able to sublimate, to integrate drives and bring it into a space of holiness, into a space of service of the Almighty. So essentially, it's of this world. It is one step, we're one step away from the animal, which is also, by the way, a very humbling thing to remember every morning. And it reminds us of integrating our drives. Now we have this idea of freedom. It's always in the context of freedom, of us leaving Egypt. And the the the, the tefillin remind us of essentially provide for us a model of what freedom is in the Torah. So we have the dichotomy. On one hand, it is our crown, it is our freedom, it is about us, it is our sovereignty in the country. And at the same time, it is literally, we are tying ourselves, we are binding ourselves, which is, I don't know what is a more universal sign of subservience and subjugation other than literally binding yourself. So how are we meant to balance the two? It reminds us, that the model of freedom of the Torah is not doing what you want to do, but rather freedom is being able, is becoming is is being able to become what you are meant to become, and that is through binding yourself. When you commit yourself to reality, when you commit yourself to yourself, and you have the ability to build yourself, that is what freedom is in the Torah framework. So all of the elements of freedom is are, are in the parashiot, which are lacking in the slavery of Paro. So it talks about leaving slavery. I took you out. You are no longer bound by local tyrants, which is expressive in the in in, in Paro. Right? Paro becomes this universal symbol of all of the local tyrants in our life, whether it be our, our lusts and our gluttony, whatever has a hold of us. And God says, You are no longer bound to that. You do not have to be subjugated to that. It reminds us of our commitment to reality, to, to the unity of God. Right? We are no longer bound to Hevle Hazman, but rather we are bound to reality itself. God chooses us. We are special. What's lacking in slavery is not hard work, meaning when, what differentiates a free man versus a slave is not hard work. We're always going to be hardworking. The difference is, is that we matter, is that God chooses us, is that we are special. And when we put on the tefillin, we remind ourselves we are binding ourselves to reality God chooses us, we are special, and we actually matter, and we have choice. All of that is the essence of freedom in the Torah model. So to close it off, 
which is there's this beautiful there's this beautiful uh, statement in the in Masech Berachot, which speaks about how. Right? Because we, we come out and we say, God wears tefillin. Right? So just like Klal Yisrael wears tefillin, God wears tefillin. Obviously, And I didn't bring everything over there. I highly recommend everyone check that out. But there's this beautiful back and forth, this, this, this loving back and forth, where we put on tefillin and each one of our statements is us choosing God. And each one of the of the parashiyot that God wears is how he chooses us. So we choose him when we put on the tefillin, and he kivyachol every morning puts on also tefillin and chooses us. He's committed to us just like we are committed to him. There's this beautiful, loving um, experience that we have. So to conclude, so tefillin as a living embodiment of our commitment to God, we don't just read the Brit, but rather we become the Brit. Tefillin as a protection from Hevle Azman. It is not a protection against the, 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 how, how it was always understood simplistically, but rather from Hevle Azman. It protects us from falling into our lusts and gluttony into our, into our slumber. Tefillin is our regalia. When we walk, when we put on the Tefillin and we walk with it, it is our, it is our crown. It is, it is our respect and it is our humanity. The Tefillin reminds us that we're animals. But what differentiates us from the animals is our consciousness and our ability to integrate our drives. And then finally, tefillin is our model for freedom. When we put on the tefillin, we are reminded that we are free men, that we matter, that we actually have choice. So those are what we get from the ta'amim of tefillin. And when we do this, when we actually are, are able to appreciate that, tefillin becomes an incredible access point for a relationship with the Almighty. It becomes... A, 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 an avenue that can actually lead you to what we spoke in the beginning of love and fear and awe of God as we, as Harambam, so like in its raw form of actual recoiling and, and, and just complete awe and love, being lovesick. So when we actually are able to appreciate the tefillin, it becomes an avenue for that. And as a reminder, if our observance is not taking us to that place, we are missing the mark. So hopefully we can use the Talmim for not only Tefillin, but for all our mitzvot that we do. We, we do so many mitzvot every day. Let's use our Talmim. Let's use our, our, our ability to study, to, use, to actually use them as our avenues to relationship with God. Hazak Obaruch Ohad. Hazak Obaruch. I have to say Rav Ohad. Uh, that was uh, truly brilliant. And uh, I think it's very much an embodiment of the classical Sephardi approach, starting from the Pesukim, going through Rishonim, Achronim, uh, and uh, bringing so much worldly wisdom there from evolutionary drives uh, and beyond. So really, really, really proud to have you as a student of the Chabura. And uh, I've already got a few messages from people saying, sign him up for a series on the actual curriculum next year. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll be seeing much more of you. Um, does anybody have any questions? If you do, feel free to leave it in the chat or um, you can unmute. No, no I've questions. Got I've got one. Okay. Ah, Ben, go ahead. Um, what do you think, um, you personally, what's your opinion on... Um, 
the Machaloket as to whether or not Tefillin were originally, the commandment for Tefillin was originally um, metaphorical as opposed to, and only later became, uh, let's say, reinterpreted into a physical command. Yeah. I don't have lots of thoughts on it. It's a good, it's a good point. It's a big, uh, it's a big discussion. What do you think about it? I'm not the expert in Tefillin. What would I, what would I know? <laughs> See, you're a psychologist of her by that response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. One of the quick, one of the comments as well. Great class. Sinner, sign him up. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, I have a question. I'll had. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to Hakam Faur's take on Tefillin, um, seeing it as a, you know, essentially a tool for Israel to be a living archive, really. Um, how do you understand that? If you were, to, if you were able to summarize Acham Faul's approach to it, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, how, how would you add that into the presentation that you've provided here tonight? So would that I'm fall not into ad- the regalia? Would, would, would that fall into the regalia category? I would say it probably falls into the living embodiment elements of it. Um, the regalia and the living embodiment. Um, I'm not as an expert on his opinion, so I don't want to, to speak on that. Um, I know you have a lot of a, a lot written on it. So. I think you've just lost you've just lost your Chabura membership if you don't know Hakam Fawa's approach to it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? I will say there's there's many other elements. Obviously, this is just a taster. Um, a lot more than what is written than what is written here is than what I said is said over here. As the Kohen Gadol says. Um, so I highly recommend everyone to continue studying and to to really explore different avenues of it. And by the way, the whole beauty of town meme is that something that talks to one person won't necessarily talk to the other person. So it's a personalized experience and you're able to to pick what is what talks to you, obviously with commitment to the to the system. Well said. I, I have a question if I may. Yes, please go ahead. Um, had regarding the uh, regarding Rambam's opinion on the protection, um, without going to crossing the the superstitious line, wouldn't you say that there's also a let's call it a top down aspect of protection? And by top down, I mean an aspect of prote- protection that is not necessarily connected with the awareness that the the mezuzah or the tefillim raises in yourself. You're saying that just by wearing it without actually having awareness of it, there's some protection? Yeah, or my question is if the Rambam negates that or what's your opinion on that? It would probably negate that, being that if you just if you if you have zero awareness, if you don't let it penetrate your heart and actually take you somewhere, then then there's it's it's no different than just Putting on any other straps that that you know what's what's the difference between this and that? If there's zero if there's zero awareness and there's zero um... now. By the way, the level of awareness is going to be different. I think, like, even if you don't have ta'amim, if for you at least there's a basic awareness of I am I am doing something that my that 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 my creator commanded me to do. That's it. That's your entire. Awareness. 
awareness, that in and of itself is valuable. So just touching on this idea of there's there's a range of, of, of awareness. You can be there sitting for hours, connecting to all of the awareness that there is. And there's also just the most pashut basic connection of I'm doing something that my creator commanded me to do. And that's valuable. I don't know regarding if there's zero awareness. I don't know if there's any protection involved there. I could be wrong. I'm open to other people. Uh, Thank you. We know more on this. Okay. Any other questions? Daniel, is that a hand up? I think it is. Yeah, this is a hand. Uh, just uh, one thing that I'll, um, in terms of like the order of the partiot as they appear in the Tfilin, um, do you think that there's, of course, there are all the famous fights over that that happened throughout the generations, whether, you know, in terms of these particular meaning of the way we do it, which in some respects is the most straightforward. But in terms of like people who like wear, you know, Rabbeinu Tam Tulin or as they're called, or any of the really two other popular or popular is a relative term. But do you think that there's a specific significance in, you know, how we internalize the importance of Tulin that's encoded into the way we arrange the partiality? we write it yeah i think we do the the most basic one we do is the just by the order the chronological yeah. order of, of how they appear in the Torah. Um, yeah yeah and you're saying if there's any if there's any significance yeah probably again I, I'm, I'm letting everyone down like i really am <laughs> failing on all of these questions but um i'm really not an expert um at all in this um i will say though that you know if you look through the there's there's a beautiful like you know sequence to the, the order of the of of the of the of the of the tefillin like the the parshiot uh, that we have from you are chosen to your sovereignty to the, the unity of, of commitment to reality and then from that to reward once you have a commitment to reality then there is vehayan shama meaning then you can actually have something to choose. So reading those parashiyot, you do see a flow. Um, you could see a flow to it. Um, so I don't know about other other variations of it and how other people place it. Um, but yeah, good question. Hey. Um, Avi, is that a hand up? No? I'm just scrolling. No, no, no okay. just Chazak uh, Baruch. Um, I don't I yes. think it was very clear and... And definitely, you know, for all of us to to keep looking into. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'll I'll take this opportunity to say a huge, huge thank you to Ahad. Uh, it will not be the last. Uh, I'm looking forward to many more sharing from you. Um, I also want to thank you publicly for all of the incredible work that you do behind the scenes that a lot of people may not know about. And uh, long may that continue. Uh, next week, the next student on the roster is Ben Rothstein from London who will be delving into quite a controversial uh, yet fascinating topic, uh, the Kabbalistic divide. We will be going through some of the letters uh, or some of the correspondence between Rav Kook and Mori Yihya Kafech, two great hachamim uh, of their time, two hachamim who sat on very uh, different sides of the fences when it, came to, when it comes to Kabbalah. We actually plan to be publishing that book 
um, soon, uh, a book dedicated to a translation of those letters, as well as Shadal and Hacham Ben Amozek's correspondence on the same topic. So Ben Rothstein, who has translated those letters, will be giving us a taste of those very letters next week. So you don't want to miss that one. It will be on Wednesday, not on Monday. And uh, you will read the words of two Hachamim, who, although they sat on very different sides of the fence, still speak with such respect to each other. So uh, I highly recommend you tune in for that. And of course, we have just launched our membership curriculum, uh, our latest membership curriculum yesterday. So please do uh, make sure you've signed up for that. If you're already a member, there's nothing you need to do. It will just continue. Uh, If you are not a member, you're listening to this on YouTube or our podcast, please consider being so. Just join us via thehabura.com forward slash join. I want to thank everyone who is here live and everyone who is listening to the recording. Um, have a wonderful week. See you on Wednesday for the next class, which is insights into the Turkish Jewish community. Uh, that's not by a student. It's by Rabbi Naftali Haleva. Um, and we look forward to seeing you then. Good night. Good day, wherever you are. And thank you, Ohad. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye,